listening to Dear Reader, a book talk show featuring chatty librarians bringing you reading recommendations and a whole lot of book loving. I'm Justine Hanna, here with my fellow librarian and bibliophile Natalie Mason, and we're coming to you from Melbourne Library Service. Hi, Justine. Hi, Natalie. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. And how are you? I'm pretty good this morning. We're so polite. We are so polite. We're always polite. Are we? Well, today we're talking about books we've read recently, and I'm so pleased to introduce our special guest, Tony Jordan. Good morning, polite (laughs) librarians. Good morning. (laughs) Tony has a BSc, and you'll have to tell me what that means, in physiology. Physiology? Yes. Oh, and qualifications in marketing and professional writing. Her debut novel, Edition, is Justine's favourite book, was longlisted for the Miles Franklin in 2009, and Tony has just recently published my new favourite book, Our Tiny Useless Hearts. Welcome to Dear Reader, Tony. Welcome. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. Uh, So lovely to have you. And yes, Edition is... Definitely up there with what as one of my favourite books. Oh, one now. I thought well, it was the favourite. Natalie before. said it was the. It is. It's, it's like it's equal favourite. Look, when she's <laughs> napping, all she talks about is you. Right. That's right. That's a very good thing to know. I'm kind of creeped out that Natalie watches me napping, but all right. <laughs> so much will be revealed today, Justine. So, so much. much. Yes. But we do love your latest book, Our Tiny Useless Hearts. Thank it you. is just so fun. Thank you, Justine. I'm glad you liked it. Yes. And I, we should maybe let our readers know, that listeners know, that they can borrow the book from a library, but it is also available from uh, booksellers. You I, can do both. You can do either. both. Yes. <laughs> Go for it. Before we get started, we want to remind you, our listeners, that we'd love to hear what you've been reading. So please tweet us at Library with the hashtag Dear Reader. And you can download Dear Reader episodes at iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for Melbourne Library Service and subscribing. All the books we mentioned today on the show will be listed in our show notes. We'll pop them on our Goodreads page, which you can find via our website, www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au, and look for the Read page. All right, now we're going to talk about books, which is what we're here for, ladies. Justine, would you like to go first? I would love to go first, and I just realised that I actually picked a uh, another Melbourne author to talk about first up. So I'm going to be talking about Reckoning by Magda Zubansky. Have either of you read this one? Yes, it's on my pile. I haven't read it. <laughs> It's, it's waiting for me. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. So this is the first book by the well-known Australian actor and comedian. This memoir has garnered many accolades recently, most notably as the winner of the Australian Book Industry Awards, Book of the Year. And for me, the opening line of the book is incredibly striking. It's one of the best first lines out there, I think, and it really sets the scene for the reader. So this is the first line. If you had met my father, you would never, not for an instant, have thought he was an assassin. That's a pretty good first line. Um, Magda's father casts a giant shadow over her life and indeed in the book as well. As a Polish freedom fighter, he carried the burden of memories of what he had done during World War II and it marked him and his family for life. As well as working through her relationship with her father and her Polish heritage, Magda shares with the reader some of her other battles. Failed projects, her weight issues, her mental health and her sexuality are all discussed. Magda bravely exposes her weaknesses, her family history and her successes and failures. Her writing was really beautiful, her command of language assured and controlled, and not at all what I expected, although I'm not sure what it was that I thought I was going to be reading. Her depictions of the people in her life are wonderful, and I have another example because I just enjoyed the writing so much, so I'm going to read this. With walking sticks and wheelchairs and titanium hips, these stately old poles sail into the church like a sagging fleet of tall ships, and I feel a pang of nostalgia. They will never make them like that again. That style, that attention to detail, that level of craftsmanship. 
Sometimes the book does get a little grim, particularly when Magda is recounting her struggle with mental health and her first visit to Poland. However, overall, it's an uplifting story, and I found it quite inspiring in places. She's very frank in her recalling of various times in her life, and there are some really funny moments, but anyone wanting a book that's all jokes should not read this memoir. Her visits to Warsaw pre and post the Cold War, and the contrast between them was really interesting, as was her take, taking us behind the scenes of the TV show Who Do You Think You Are, which I love. I think it was always obvious that there's an interesting personality in Magda, but the anguish and intergenerational trauma was not obvious at all, and it's this that we discover um, about the author as she tells us her story. The last chapters I found truly moving as she describes her final unpacking of what made her father tick and her new understanding of him and therefore of herself. I thought it was an amazing writing debut. I really enjoyed it, and I'd encourage everyone to give it a read. So that was Reckoning by Magda Zubatsky. You haven't read it yet, No, have you? no, and I feel really guilty because it's <laughs> been on my pile for a while, um, but I, I am really looking forward to to reading it. It's a very, I think a lot of people would expect it to just be like funny, funny, funny. And she talks about her, you know, TV career and her comedian career, but um, it's really not about that. Mm-hmm. And I, it really touched me. I thought it was beautiful. And I have to confess, and this is going to sound terrible. At first, when I started reading it, I thought, was this ghost written? Because it's written so well. <laughs> I was, I, I know my. I'm assured it's all her. I am too. Yeah. And I've, I looked into it and I saw her at a, a conference recently and it is all her. And she's spent the last eight years, you know, basically writing and this the, book. The thing I like so much um, also is with her profile and everyone knows who she is and she's so famous and she's so loved. She could have actually gotten away with, you know, your standard famous person memoir with the standard you know, story of whatever that, that that didn't delve into these kind of really deep issues and, and didn't do it in such a beautiful way. So, you know, she's really worked harder when she doesn't have to and I have so much admiration for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. It's not your typical celebrity memoir. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So now, Tony, it's your turn to tell us what you're reading. Well, <laughs> this is very... Normally I would be able to bring in a, a big raft of things because I read a lot. I read, you know, I have no life basically <laughs> and I read kind of two novels a week. But I am reading City on Fire by Garth Risk Halberg. And I don't know if you've seen this one around. It's a big one. It's like not it's like nine hundred pages. <laughs> I'm not joking, like it actually is. It's like three novels have been masking taped together. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it, there's this enormous cast of characters that mm. we continually move between. And um, so I'm I'm halfway through, so I can't really rec- you know t- tell you how it ends or how it all comes in the beginning. Um, at times I'm I'm incredibly frustrated because it's it's this story of maybe eight or nine people in fact. So there's you know the guy that we start with. It's set in the 70s, in the late 70s. Um, the guy we start with is a teacher at a at a school from he's from the south. It's all set in New York. Um, he has a a partner, a boyfriend who um, who he's got a sort of a very funny relationship with. This man, this young man, finds this um, girl in the park who's been shot. Then we also see this girl and her best friend, and we also see the sister of the the boy's boyfriend. And it's like I know I'm making it sound confusing, but that's because it is. Um, and and it goes back to things like you know. 15 pages of diary entries from one of the character's grandfathers. Like it, it, every single character has this whole life in here wow. that that only sort of tangentially feeds into. And now we're, we're with this journalist who's writing a history of fireworks in New York wow. and how 
fireworks were in fact invented and how that has come to be, which on the surface has almost nothing to do with the plot except for the fact that the girl that was shot, her father made fireworks. And so it's it's like trying to hold a whole world mm. in these 900 pages. So I've been alternately just incredibly frustrated where I put, put it down and go, I just do not have time in my life to follow nine characters back to primary school and they're all their relatives and every single thing they do. Like, it's ridiculous. Yet still I keep reading. Mm. So why do I keep reading? Like, I, I stop it every now and then and go, well, this is terribly flawed. If I was this book's editor, I'd be saying, what is the story you're trying to tell? You can't have 15 stories, just have one story and do that really well. Um, so on the whole, recommended for people who really love fat books and People who love fat books know who they are. They love that feeling of being completely absorbed in a world um, that that really takes a long time to live in. Um, so things like, you know, it reminded me a bit of Anna Karenina in that mm. way, although it's even bigger. Um, but, um, you know, it's not an easy kind of proposition because there's no sort of single plot line that pulls you through this story. And yet you keep coming back to it, which I think I keep, is so fascinating. You know, I've got a to-be-read pile that you wouldn't believe <laughs> and I put it down and I go, well, that's it, you know. I just do not have, like, I'm going to die soon. Like, it, well, not soon, like, but, hope you know, in the next, like, I should hope not. four or five decades and it'll take me most of that to read this book. But still I pick it up again. Yeah. So it's there's something kind of going on with it. I can see all its flaws, but I keep reading. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, I have heard mixed reviews about that, so I haven't read it. Yeah. Um, be looking forward to hearing what you say about but, it once you finish it. But, you know, it's the kind of book that you put aside for, like, when you break your leg or something <laughs> yes. and you're in a four, like, you have to lie there for, like, three weeks. That's your book. It's, again, City of Fire on Fire by Garth Risk Halberg. Fabulous. Thank you, Tony, for that very interesting review. Natalie, what are you reading at the moment? I've read the most wonderful book. Can Ooh. I tell you both about it? I'll go on. Then. Please. <laughs> I'm among friends. Um, it's called Our Magic Hour by Jennifer Down. This book was written this year. It's a debut novel by a Melbourne writer, and this book will win awards. Uh, can I tell you how much I love this book? Oh, oh yes, you and, can. Um, when I was judge of the um, Emerging Writers Unpublished Manuscript Prize two years ago, it we shortlisted it. Was it this book? This book. Oh. I loved it. I love it. I love her and I love it. Tony, I'm, wow. I'm, spe- <laughs> I'm speechless, but that's a bad thing right now to be <laughs> speechless, so I'm going to do some word talking and see how I go. This is, the, this is the book that you devour in one sitting. The writing is exact. It is perfect. Every word is thoughtful and it's placed on the page for a reason. It was an absolutely beautiful reading experience. My, you know, the hours that I spent with that book are unregrettable. Is that a word, Tony? <laughs> Can it be? Looking at me. Yes, it's a, definitely a word from now on. You're a writer. I'm a talker. So. <laughs> Perfect. I got the approval. The book is set in Melbourne and some parts take place in really familiar locations to me, like the Tote or on Johnston Street, the Workers' Club on Gertrude Street, Rathdown Village, lots of other kind of inner city Melbourne pockets and outer Melbourne pockets as well. Um, I might be much older than the characters, ahem, uh, but the creative subculture that they belong to resonated with my own experience of growing up in Melbourne when I was in my 20s, uh, going to gigs and art galleries and house parties and hanging out in gangs in the Edinburgh Gardens and just, just living like living among people. It was, you know, it was it was my youth. Um, there's a lot of youth in the book as well. So 
Really brief plot. Um, Audrey, Katie and Adam have been friends since high school. They're in their early 20s. They're doing their own thing. They're adults now. Um, And suddenly and unexpectedly, Katie passes away. Um, Audrey and Adam grieve in very different ways and losing Katie affects them both quite differently. So the book is about grief and loss and sadness. It's about that fog that descends when you can no longer make sense of other people's choices. When you're young and you've got so much life ahead of you and you really have no idea how you're supposed to live it. The book is sad and so Some parts feel drawn out and long, but that's exactly what grief is and that's why the book was so brilliant. Grief is foggy and it's blurring and it's surprising and it really weakens you. Um, But there's strength in that too and this book pulls all of those things together in such a marvellous way. Um, I cannot recommend this book highly enough. Everybody should read it if you want to. I mean, make your own choices, but I'm telling you, you should. Um, The author, Jennifer Down, is working on a short story collection called Convalescence, um, which will be published next year. And I can tell you that I'm very excited to read the next thing that she releases. If you think the novel is good, She's even better at short stories. Oh, good grief. (laughs) I know. I know. It's just, she's amazing. I'm loving all the inside stuff you're giving us here, Tony. She's amazing. (laughs) Yep. Okay, sorry. I'm still in the fog of this book called Our Magic Hour by Jennifer Down. Justine, what's next for you? My second book today is an interesting one. It's called Radiance by Catherine M. Valente. I don't know if either of you know her, but she is very well known for um, a series that she wrote called the Fairyland series for junior readers. And the first book in that series is The Girl Who Circumnavigated Fairyland in a Ship of Her Own Making. And all of the books have really long titles. I love long titles, though. I love that series. And I also loved another series she wrote, the first book of which is called In the Night Garden, which is a book of wonders for grown-up readers. So when I heard that she was writing a new book, I was like, yep, I'm in. It's for adults. Yay. It's totally for me. I really should have realised it would be a very strange book indeed. The description of it is, wait for it, a deco-punk pulp SF alt-history space opera mystery set in a Hollywood and solar system very different from our own. Yeah, I know. Is it 900 pages? (laughs) It is not 900 pages, thank goodness. Um, It's one of the most bizarre books I've ever read, however, but in a really good way. Um, The story is told using techniques from classic film, gossip magazines and metafictional narrative, which I had to look up, and apparently that means it self-consciously draws attention to itself as an artefact. The story is aware that it's a form of fiction. It's crazy. (laughs) It's meta. It is very meta. Um, Catherine Valente really shows off her writing chops. She goes from science fiction to screenplay to soap opera to noir without missing a beat. So what is it about? You may well ask. Uh, It's about the mysterious disappearance of Severin Unk. Her father is a famous director of gothic romances in an alternate 1986 in which talking movies are still a daring innovation due to the patent-hoarding Edison family. Rebelling against her father's films of passion, intrigue and spirits from beyond, Severin starts making documentaries, travelling through space and investigating the levitator cults of Neptune and the lawless saloons of Mars. This is not our solar system, but one that is drawn from classic science fiction in which all the planets are inhabited and we travel through space on beautiful rockets. So, Severin's latest film, which investigates the disappearance of a diving colony on a watery Venus, populated by island-sized alien creatures called callow whales, will be her last. Though some of her crew limp home to Earth and her story is preserved by the colony's last survivor, Severin herself will never return. 
Radiance is a solar system spanning story of love, exploration, family, loss, quantum physics, and silent film. It is not an easy read, mainly because you can get lost in the descriptiveness and the weirdness of things, and also because of the way the narrative structure changes on you, as does the narrator. Just to make it interesting, <laughs> there are loads of mythological and fairy tale references, and I know I'm going to have to read this over again to pick everything up. I'm sure I missed loads. It's a very complicated flight of imagination, a book about dreams and magic, about worlds and words, and about light and so much more. If you like endings that make sense, this is not for you. <laughs> if you are open to trying something very different and a lot of fun, then I'd recommend giving this a go. So that was Radiance by Catherine M. Valente. It was really nuts. <laughs> my eyes are spinning around in my head just by that description. Yeah, look, it was so much fun, but I, again, I, I actually had to keep putting it down and coming back to it because I got lost a lot in the des the descriptiveness and there are uh, there is just so much cool stuff happening in it that it's, it was almost an overload. Um, so that was Radiance by Catherine M. Valente and we'd like to hear, Tony, what your second book for the day is. Well, I should have a second book. Like, my intention was to come with a second <laughs> book that I had started reading, but City on Fire has zapped my reading life and really I'm just I'm a, I'm the husk of a woman sitting in front of you because it has taken so much out of me so then I'll have to talk about the next one that I'm about to start which is The Easy Way Out by Stephen Amsterdam. Um, Stephen is a wonderful wonderful writer. I l fell in love with his first book Things We Didn't See Coming which yeah. you might remember. Beautiful. Really fantastic kind of um, short stories you know pre-during uh, pre, and post-apocalyptic short stories and that ma makes it sound quite like an average normal book but in fact the the title things we didn't see coming kind of shows us that the, the things that we end up worrying about regardless of circumstances are the same kind of things that we worry about now mm -hmm. um, the health of the people we love relationships and and the changing state of the world is actually um, kind of still a background hum to to the things that are going on in our lives. I thought it was, you know, it was his debut. Um, I thought it was just remarkable. Um, and it was, it won Age Book of the Year, I think. Was, do you remember when that was? Was that about five years ago? I think it was longer than that. Okay. I feel like it was um, 2009 maybe. Oh, wow. I would, I, I haven't looked it up actually. No, that's but I okay. Guess. That's all right. We can speculate. Um, that's that's my gut feel. Yeah. Um, so he, then he released another book um, called What the Family Needed, but now we are a few years on and his new book is called The Easy Way Out. And um, what's interesting about it is it's about assisted suicide and um, Stephen himself is a palliative care nurse. That's his, his no normal job. So he deals particularly, I think, with, with people who are dying. So he can bring this... Enormous, not just the beautiful writer that he is, but he brings this enormous sensibility um, behind this issue. It sounds really interesting. And do we know when it might be released? Um, I think it's it's September is okay. the plan, so it's a it's a little bit early, but um, I think it's really worth one to look out for. Yeah, it's time to start reading furiously, so we've got space on the to be read exactly. When Get ready out. for it, and also people can place their reservations so that they are first in for that, so they can get it through the library. Yeah, well, that's a really good thing because this is the kind of book that will have long queues. Yeah, yeah. so get organised. <laughs> yep. I love that. Natalie, what is your second book for what you've been reading lately? Well, this one, this book challenged me, but I loved that about it. 
It's called The Argonauts by Maggie Nelson. It's a piece of non-fiction writing that's been described as memoir, but it really is so much more. Um, the author Maggie Nelson is a non-fiction author and a cultural critic from the United States. It was released in 2015. It's a slim book, but I tell you what, packs a punch. Um, Maggie, as the author, um, writes about her own life and her own experiences. She unpacks and repacks and then unpacks again ideas of gender identity, queer fe- family making, maternity and motherhood. Um, There are arguments that she makes to defend the value of caretaking of children by a wide community and also deconstruct the institution of marriage being solely between men and women. It reads like an academic piece of writing, but Maggie Nelson is an academic, so that makes complete sense. Um, Authors, philosophers and theorists are quoted. um, And what I loved most about this book is that all of the referencing that she does, it simply just has the name of the author in the margin beside the quote. There's no arduous footnotes. There's no names in brackets. There's no Harvard referencing. It's all very readable, really, which is brilliant. It's also a really deeply personal account of Maggie's own life. She looks at her own relationship with her partner, who is fluidly gendered, and her own experience of motherhood and birthing. There's a lot of love in this book and a lot of family. Um, I have to say it wasn't the easiest book that I've ever read, but I appreciated being challenged by it. In the more academic passages where she's quoting lots of theories, I found myself going back to reread parts of it so my brain could catch up with all of this information and sort of high... um, you know, these high ideals that are being um, discussed by people far smarter than I am. I felt that Maggie was a few steps ahead of me and I think it might take a reread for me to feel like I fully grasped some of the concepts that she's talking about in this book. But at no point did I feel like I was shut out or that the book wasn't for me. I feel like the book is for everyone. It just might take a, a bit to kind of really get it. Um, I value reading books that take me out of my comfort zone and they disrupt my way of thinking. And those are the books that change me and make me a better reader as well as a better person. And this is one of those books. It's called The Argonauts by Maggie Nelson. Mm, that does sound a bit interesting. Yeah, not you should, sure about that one. You should read it so we can talk about it because oh, it's no. it's one of those books that requires a bit of thought. <laughs> I'm going to take a, a look discussion. at it. I'm going to, you know, have a have a serious look at that. That sounds really appealing to yeah. me. Yeah, we'll have to get you back in for a read aloud session <laughs> or something. I, I would value a writer's perspective Ooh. on how it's constructed. That you know, the things that I don't think about as kind of a reader. So that blend of the personal and the research, like the 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 standard nonfiction about a topic and that almost memoirish feel. Mm. How does that do they both work together or yeah. and how does that split in terms of the amount of the book? Is it 50/50 in that way? I would say it's about even. Mm-hmm. It's almost like sitting at her kitchen table having a cup of tea mm-hmm. and her saying, "Well, this theorist reminds me of this experience that I've had." Right. And this, you know, this this part of becoming a mother and all of my See. thoughts around it relate to this theory and this person's research and it totally debunks this other person's idea. But that's super smart, really, because absolutely. That that is the thing that enables us to connect with theories is this drive that humans have toward narrative and once you put something in the perspective of this is a story that happens to me or that I live through every day and the thing that backs it up or the things that that disagree with that is this immediately we're so much better at getting the whole point of everything yeah and I think I got a lot more from it than I have from some of the gender theory books that I've been reading to try and learn more about how other people live yep yeah completely get that very interesting well, Tony, we know what you're reading now. We know what you're reading next. Is there yeah. anything else on your radar that you want to talk about? I would like to talk about two books, but I have to give my conflict of interest notice here. <laughs> they're 
They're first books by two of my students. I do a bit of teaching of creative writing as well, but I'm so proud of these two and their books um, that I just have to take the opportunity to talk about them. The first one is called Ruins but by Rajith Savanadasa. Um, he is a wonderful writer and this is a, a, the story of a Sri Lankan family and it's rotating points of view through all the members of the family um, telling this story of how Sri Lanka is changing and, and what the environment is like um, during the height of some of the troubles over there. The, the way that he does voice... Um, where he captures these person, these people's sort of inner self. Um, he, he's a wonder and we'll be hearing enormous things from him in the future. Um, and the second one is another student of mine. Um, her name is Michelle Wright and the book is called Fine. And this is her short story collection. She'll be following it up with a novel next year. Mm. But um, she is really a remarkable short story writer as well. There's something quite raw about her work quite emotionally raw. She's not afraid at all to go um, to kind of difficult places with it. She also has the kind of empathy that enables her to write from perspectives of all people, of all ages, of all nationalities um, and all genders. So um, she's kind of like a chameleon in that way. But we'll be hearing much more from her as well. Fabulous. When are they both out now? Um, They're very soon. So they're both uh, July releases. So they'll be on the shelves imminently. Lovely. I love all this inside stuff. I just think it's brilliant. We're so lucky to hear about all of this. We have backstage access. We do. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Well, I'll be looking forward to checking those out for sure. Natalie, is there anything else on your radar? Yes. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Of course. Are you kidding? (laughs) Um, Emily Bitto joined us a couple of weeks ago to talk about what she'd been reading and she reviewed Helen Garner's new book, Everywhere I Look. So that's, um, I think I picked that up at the library the following day because I had to make sure that it's, uh, um, I generally very much enjoy Helen Garner's writing. So I'm really looking forward to having some time on the couch with me and Helen. Don't you think that Jennifer Down is like a young Helen Garner? Yes. Like talking about the same yes. kind of things, but now? Yes. All right, now I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> I, you weren't I, interested before. Oh, I did a great review. You did. <laughs> Okay, Justine, what's on your pile? Uh, so the next thing I'm probably going to be reading is called All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders. And um, it got reviewed by an author that I love, Karen Joy Fowler, and she called oh, it... I love her. Mm, she yes. called it lively, sexy, scary, weird and wonderful. And I was like, that sounds like my kind of book. Yeah. Um, and it's about a witch and a scientist who grow up together then they sort of get separated and then they meet again as adults and stuff happens. I'm not going to give anything away. I haven't read it, but it sounds really interesting and um, apparently they have to save our future. So <laughs> Good on them. I, I always enjoy a good saving the future of humanity book. I feel like if anyone can do it, it's the witch and the, the scientist. scientist. Yeah. That's what we need. Apparently yeah. he's a bit of a exactly. mad scientist too, which is, you know. I've They're just, the best kind. Yeah, they are. They're the only kind, really, aren't they? I don't know. Oh, no, there are other kinds of scientists, yeah. but the mad ones are our favourite, <laughs> especially in books. Especially in books. Well, that's our show, I think. Thank you so much, Tony, for joining us today. Thank you. It was a real pleasure, Natalie, Justine. Thank you for asking me. To our listeners, don't forget you can read our show notes, including a list of the books we discussed on our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and on the Read page. 
We'd also love you to tell us what you've been reading or you can ask us for a book recommendation. You can tweet us at melblibrary, that's M-E-L-B-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y with the hashtag Dear Reader, or you can join the conversation on our Goodreads page. Don't forget you can download Dear Reader episodes at SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service and subscribing to our podcast. And the lovely music on our program is by Ben Mason. Check out more of his music at www.benmason.com.au. And until next time, dear reader, thanks for listening. Thank you.